that'll get your attention. We are in a 31-week journey here at Community Church that is taking us through the Bible in a chronological order. The materials that we have for that are at the back of the church, and each adult and child has curriculum for this journey. And if this is your first time here, um, there are some extra books at the back, I believe, that you're welcome to take with you. We don't charge for these. We want you to join us in this journey. And this is week nine. So we are moving along quickly through the Bible and the knowledge of how God works in all of our lives to bring about our salvation. There's a great plan that God has. And uh, the plan is a little bit messy as anybody's plan might be. I don't know if uh, any of you are big genealogy searchers, but that became a very popular thing to do for a while. I'm not sure where it stands now, but with the internet and other resources, people were very interested in knowing what their genealogy was and to look back into the background of their family's lives. And oftentimes they would discover a few surprises along the way and uh, realize that all of their uh, ancestors weren't necessarily the most upstanding people in the world, um, but at the same time feeling blessed and being in awe at how God provided for their families as they went through the years. So anyway, today we find ourselves with one of the great stories in the Old Testament related to a woman. It's a love story. It's a story of God's providence and the way he works in mysterious ways. And this is the story of Ruth. And some of you are familiar with the story, some of you not so much, but it's a, it's a beautiful story. And there are some significant characters in the story of Ruth. And I invite you to try and relate to some of the people that we talk about today and put yourself in their shoes, in their situation. Think about what you might do in a circumstance like that. So before we start, I want to offer a prayer and then we'll get started this morning. Lord, thank you that you have given us the word, the record of your way with us so that we can know you and we can look at the people that have gone before us. These truly are our ancestors in the faith. We too are descendants of Abraham because we have been welcomed into your family as strangers and aliens through your son Jesus Christ and the redemption of that he purchased for us on the cross that we might belong to you and belong to one another. So as we go through this story, we ask you to open our eyes, open our hearts to you, allow your Holy Spirit to speak to us today. Whatever it is you want to reveal to us about our lives and about you, we invite you today. In Jesus' name, amen. So the story of Ruth... <clears throat> as it was run through quickly on the graphic, is a four-chapter book in the Bible. It occurs during the time of the judges. And we talked about the time of the judges last week. We talked about the fact that the people of Israel would have a pattern of obedience and disobedience. When there was obedience under one of their judges, for example, Deborah or Gideon 
or Samson, God would bless and provide and protect. But when that judge died, the people would stray and wander back off to foreign gods. They would leave the Lord and that they would begin to drift off. And when they drifted off, God allowed them to be taken captive by the enemies, countries and nations and tribes around them. And then their life became bitter and hard. And when their life became bitter and hard, then they would cry out to God and God would send them another rescuer, another judge to redeem them and to save them and restore them. And so there was this pattern that was going on. Well, within this time of the judges, there was another little story that was going on that probably at that time nobody was aware of except a handful of people. And this goes to show you that whatever you see going on out there around you, God is always at work. And we don't see, there's an invisible side to God's providence of his working that he is doing that we are not aware of, but we must trust that he has a plan and that he is always working. And when we do that, then our our thoughts are towards him, and we don't allow the circumstances of what's going on that we see in the world to cause us to rise and fall in our emotions, in our trust, in our security, in our ideas, and when we and to wonder, oh God, are you even there? Do you even care? Are you even doing anything in my, in our lives? And I'm sure during these periods of where they were taken captive, and then they were obedient, and so forth, all this that was going on unbeknownst to probably everybody but the principal people involved, God was weaving a plan for the salvation of the entire world through his son, Jesus Christ. Because you see, we're getting in today to the lineage of Jesus Christ. If you remember when we looked at the story of the capture of Jericho, when the spies went into the land of Jericho, they were uh, discovered uh, to, to, to before they took battle, and there was a, a woman named Rahab who hid the spies, and Rahab was famous because she was called a harlot or a prostitute and was well known in, in that community for being that type of person. But because she hid the spies of Israel and asked that her family would be spared along with herself when the Hebrews came and surrounded Jericho and and took battle against them, they were true to her, and Rahab was taken and spared. She was not a Hebrew. She was from Jericho. I don't know what her uh, background was, but she was probably a foreign woman, and she was a woman of bad reputation. Well, Rahab got married. And she settled in a town called Bethlehem. And in the town of Bethlehem, Rahab has a son, and Rahab's son's name is Boaz. And so now we are taken to this small village called Bethlehem. And Bethlehem means house of bread. The house of bread, Bethlehem, was in a midst of a deep, This was probably during the time when God was punishing Israel for their disobedience. So there was a famine in Bethlehem, the house of bread. How ironic is that? Which means that the area was probably a fruitful 
agricultural area. Rather than ride out this famine, there was a man named Elimelech. And Elimelech had a wife whose name was Naomi. And Elimelech meant um, man of God or God is king. And Naomi meant sweetness. So she was sweetness. And they had two sons. So Elimelech decided because there's no food, he would take Naomi and they would go to Moab. Moab was about 50 miles away from Bethlehem, but in Moab there was food. Now, how did Moab come about? Well, back in Genesis 19, uh, Lot, uh, because the daughters did not have husbands, uh, they decided they wanted to trick their father into having sex with them. So Lot had sex with one of his daughters. They had a son named Moab. And so Moab, this place area called Moab, came out of that sort of background, and they worshipped a god named Chemosh, C-H-E-M-O-S-H, and that kind of worship was very uh, incestuous and sexual overtones, and there was all kinds of fertility things that related to this. So Moab, this land of Moab where people lived, their god was not Jehovah God of the Hebrews. Their god was this god named Chemosh that they actually sacrificed infants to. They had live sacrifices to that. So why would Elimelech, knowing this about Moab, take his wife and family to this place where there were such foreign practices and foreign people? Uh, he did it because he panicked over uh, the circumstances that he was in. And so many would fault Elimelech for taking his wife and his boys to Moab to just go and get find food. It was a survival move. move. I, I think we could all understand why he would do that and, and not be too harsh on him for that. So when they arrive in Moab, they're living in this land uh, of a foreign god and foreign people, and the two sons of Naomi and Elimelech are without wives, so they take wives from among the Moabites, and the wives' names were Orpah and Ruth. Well, as you saw in the video graphic, Naomi's husband dies. The two boys die. And so that leaves three widows, Naomi, Orpah, and Ruth, trying to make a go of it there in the land of Moab. And Naomi decides that she needed to go back home to Bethlehem. She had heard that the famine was over, that there was food there again. And so as she gets ready to leave, and as they're leaving, she looks at her two daughter-in-laws, and she says to both of them, go ahead home to your families. The way it would have played out is, Naomi said, I am too old to birth any more children. The idea was is that the way that the Orpah and Ruth would receive husbands would be as if Naomi, being old now, could have a son and wait until that son grew up to be of age to be able to marry either Orpah or Ruth, or both. So anyway, she says, I release you. Go home. And, and she just insisted on that. She said, my life has now become bitter. 
she was very despondent, very discouraged. This woman who, whose name meant sweetness was now living a, a life where she just had seen that she had had nothing but bitterness and sorrow and loss in her life. Nothing but bitterness and sorrow and loss. And she did not want to take anybody else with her into that. She was going to go home to Bethlehem. It had been about 10, 11, 12 years, 10, 11 years, something like this. So Orpah leaves and goes back to her family, and the Bible says she goes back to her God, the gods, her religion, but Ruth doesn't. And this is where we have this very famous verse that has sometimes been quoted at wedding ceremonies and other things, and we're going to bring this up for you, but it's from Ruth chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. And so this is what Ruth said to her mother-in-law, Naomi. But Ruth replied, we can read this together, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. Have you ever had someone be that loyal to you? I just looked down at one of our young ladies here who looked at her friend and went, Whoa! <laughs> Can you imagine? Ruth was all in with Naomi. She was all in. She said, I am going with you. She went all in with her. Now, that was wherever this goes, whatever this involves, I am going to be with you. Have you ever had someone in your life, no matter what you were going through in your life, whether it was good or bad, who you know without a doubt is that faithful to you. That is a loyal, faithful friend. And, and this, there was no promise here at all. I think Ruth began to understand something of God, and I think God was already at work somehow in Ruth's life, and of course working the circumstances out in Naomi's life, that this woman named Ruth, who had such a wonderful and beautiful heart, such loyalty and, 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 and commitment, even though she was a foreign woman, a Moabite, she was going to stick to Naomi like glue. You are not going to get rid of me. I am with you. I'm going to be right with you. So they go back to Bethlehem. And the people had not, that, that Naomi knew saw her and they, oh, Naomi, you're back. We're so glad to see you. And, 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 she, and then it's kind of like, well, where's Alimo? Well, he died. What about your sons? Well, they died too. My life is nothing but bitterness and defeat and, and emptiness in my life. And then what do you think the people did around her? They, they treated her as though she had a disease. She was, instead of helping her, they, they basically left her to herself. And so they had no food, they had no provisions, they had no property, they had no power, they had no family, no resources. 
But there was a provision that God put in place when the harvest time was in, going on that they would have gleaning in the field. And gleaning meant that, that harvesters of barley, in this case, could not take everything that was in the field. They had to go through the field and make sure they intentionally left some grain and some fruit of the harvest behind and following these harvesters would be gleaners and they would be the poor people. And they would go behind the harvesters and gather up what little bits that were left from the harvest that they could take home to feed their families. And so Ruth, being the wonderful person that she was, knowing that she was there to help and, and provide for her mother-in-law, Naomi, she went to the field and she worked from sunup to sundown to get the smallest amount of grain, take it home, beat it out, prepare it, they would eat it, and in the next morning she would get up and go do it again. And she was doing this in the field of Boaz. And Boaz was an honorable man. He was a generation older than Ruth. So he was older than her. And he had some property there. And again, his mother was Rahab, the prostitute out of Jericho. And so Boaz begins to recognize this young woman who's coming to the field. She works really hard. She's not chasing after. She's not a loose woman. She's not chasing after the other uh, harvesters there. She's, she's single, it's obvious, but he, he just he notices her because of her devotion. And what, what Naomi says then to Ruth is, Boaz is one of our relatives. He is related to us. And so she said, don't make sure you just stay in his field. And then Boaz recognized her and he said to Ruth, you stay in this field and I'll make sure you're protected. I'll take care of you. I see what you're doing and it's a beautiful thing for your mother-in-law. So anyway, um, one night at the harvest and, and Naomi is coaching Ruth. Now, this is a good thing because if, if you're a young lady without a lot of experience uh, in regard to things or you're looking for a mentor in your life, you would, be, you would benefit greatly from having a woman of wisdom like Naomi in your life. And to seek out someone, it could be your mother, but it could be someone else. And that you would intentionally try to get alongside someone that you have noticed who seems to have great wisdom and, and seek their counsel. And this is what Naomi was doing with Ruth. And Ruth was smart enough to listen to Naomi, her mother-in-law. And, and so she followed her advice. So Naomi says to Ruth, he is one of our kinsmen redeemers. So you go, they're going to have, the harvest is, is about over. I know they're going to be eating and drinking and having a good time at the harvesting floor. You go there, but first clean yourself up. Dress yourself up. Put on some perfume. And, and, and look like an, a girl, a, an attractive girl. So, so she does all of this, and she said, go and lay at his feet, and after he has eaten and drank and had his good time, you just lay down at his feet. So Ruth did that. 
And uh, Boaz wakes up in the early morning. He notices there's something down there at his feet, and he looks up, and lo and behold, there's a woman sleeping at his feet. And he's surprised, and he looks. And you know, I don't know that he probably ever thought of Ruth in, a, in an attractive way, because just a minute, sun up to sundown, she's out there covered in who knows what, you know, dirt and dust and filthy and all this. And man, he looks down there, and this would be every guy's dream, right? Wake, every single guy's dream in the world is like, you wake up, there's a woman at the end of your bed sleeping there. Uh, so anyway, uh, <laughs> actually I thought our son had something like that happen to him one time, um, but it was just a lost girl who had turned 21 and had her birthday and she found her way somehow to our house when it was up here on East Georgia Street and walked in in the middle of the night, laid down and was sleeping in his bed. Yeah, I'm glad that that wasn't that it didn't become the person that. And so I, Josh was up. <laughs> Our son was in high school still, and he was. <laughs> and he was up in the attic. He wasn't in this room. But imagine my surprise, and I've told this story here before, but it's been a long time, that I get up early in the morning, and I go, and I go get up to go to the bathroom, and I walk by Josh's uh, room, and it was, it was maybe, it was probably maybe three in the morning, four in the morning, and there's this sound coming out of the bed, and I walk into Josh's room, and I look closely, because I'm trying to figure out, and there was a there was matted sort of this blonde hair, and she was snoring, and she smelled really bad of alcohol. So I yell up the stairs in the attic, and I say, Josh, did, did you have a girl come home tonight with you? No, Dad. Anyway. We just left her there till the morning. Imagine her surprise when she wakes up. She has no idea where she is. And Elisa, this is the 21st birthday nightmare. <laughs> she says, oh my goodness, where am I? And I said, well, you're, you found your way to the home of the pastor of Community Church. <laughs> and she said, oh my goodness. Well, at least I didn't bring a boy home. So our little Goldilocks, or whatever you might want to call her, we get her home and all the rest. But that was not Naomi, and, that was not Boaz and Ruth. Now that could have been because of the way everybody else was, but Ruth was a pure woman. She is a woman of character, you know? And I think Boaz, being the older man that he was to her, he, did, he needed some kind of an invitation to um, uh, see that Ruth could be someone for him because he wasn't married. And um, so I think Boaz was a little bit slow, so Ruth made it easier for him by just landing where she did. 
And then um, she said to, Ruth said to Boaz, she says, uh, I, you are a kinsman redeemer. And this is the first time in the Bible that we see the word redeemed. And in the tradition of Israel and in their law, if there is an unmarried woman who is a relative, then the, the way that it would, was to work out was there, there was a there was a plan in place again that God put in place, and a kinsman redeemer would be a male relative, unmarried, who had the privilege slash responsibility to act on behalf of a relative who was who was um, uh, a, a widow and also in need, in trouble, in danger, in need, and so. Uh, they are responsible to become their deliverer or their rescuer, which is, or the one who would purchase. To redeem is to purchase. So uh, Naomi, or I mean, Ruth says to Boaz, you are a kinsman redeemer to our family. And so Boaz says, well, there's a relative that's closer to you than I am. And before I do this, I need to go talk to this other relative. So he sits at the, the gate and this relative comes up, and he explains the situation. And it, first of all, it was to buy the land. So he says, there's some land that you can redeem if you want it. And the guy says, okay. And then he says, oh, by the way, it comes with a woman. And he said, oh, I can't do that. So uh, anyway, he, he passed. So then Boaz made good on it. He redeems this property. He redeems Ruth takes her in, and she becomes his wife. And then, they lay together, as the Bible says. He knew her, and she gets pregnant. And I'm thinking, you know, probably Ruth had been married to her husband in Moab for quite a while, but they never had any kids. But boom, right away, she gets pregnant, a baby, that baby is given to Naomi. And Naomi, her joy returns to her. And, and all of a sudden, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And, and guess what? The name of the son was Obed, O-B-E-D. And Obed was the father of Jesse, who was the father of David. So now you're starting to get the line of Jesus. From Rahab the prostitute to a son named Boaz. Boaz marrying a foreign Moabite woman named Ruth, and they have a son named Obed. Obed has a son named Jesse. Jesse has a son named David. All of that takes place in the little town of Bethlehem. And this is what Micah 5.2 says in the Old Testament about Bethlehem. Micah 5.2 is a prophecy about Bethlehem and what was to come. So we're going to bring that up for you here. But you, Bethlehem Ephratah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come 
for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, old, from ancient times. God is always at work. Regardless of what you see or are going through or experiencing, it may not be happening in your life but somewhere along the line, in an invisible way, the providence of God is working because God has a plan. We were a part of this plan when it came to the birth of Jesus Christ, who becomes our Redeemer. It is by His shed blood on a cross that we are purchased for salvation and redeemed. Because we were lost, broken, condemned to die because of the sins of our life. And Jesus delivered us in sort of the same way that Boaz delivered Ruth. So this is all part of the plan and the story of God. And we can just marvel at that. And we can trust that God is working even when we don't see it. So I don't know who you relate to in this story. Everybody needs a Ruth in their life who would come alongside and say, I love you no matter what. I'll be with you no matter where you go. I'll be there till you die forever. Everybody needs a Ruth. I think... Everybody needs to have someone to take care of. I think all of us should be a Boaz to take on someone who has a need and find a way to provide for them and love them and care for them and nurture them and bless them, even though they may not be deserving of that. We can become their kinsman, that part of the kinsman-redeemer piece. So we can be a Boaz. We need someone like a Ruth in our life, no matter what, no matter what we're going through. But ultimately, all of it is our relationship with God and our need for Jesus Christ. Naomi pointed Ruth to her Savior, her Redeemer, who was Boaz at that time. We all need to be pointing people to Jesus as the one for them in their life. Regardless of what's going on and what we see, God is at work. He has a plan. He loves you. He's paid a price for you. So, I'm going to pray for you today. I want you to consider your life where you're at right now, what you need, who you relate to in this story. And we're going to sing Amazing Grace. Father, there is so much of grace that we don't understand. Grace is such an undeserving thing. And in this story that we have, probably there was a grace giver, you would say, a grace giver. We see a grace giver in 
In Ruth, we see a grace giver. In Boaz, we see people of character, people of faith, people of trust. We want to be like that. Lord, increase our faith. Increase our trust. To know that you are working in unseen ways. Not only in our lives, but in the lives of others. In this world, you're working out your plan. And that we would be a part of that. We would be trusting for that. That we would be faithful. Wherever we find ourselves, whatever circumstances we might be in, that we would get up every single day, follow you, and serve you with love. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.